Hey, Yogi, Sarah Burchard here, and you are listening to Yoga Unplugged Conversations, a show dedicated to helping you make tough life decisions so you can lead a happier, healthier life. The team of Yoga Unplugged and I have just recently launched this podcast. This is our third episode because we want to support you when you are feeling down or stuck. Our hope is that with every show, you will learn something helpful, be inspired, and feel like you have a new sense of direction. On this show, I interview high vibration thinkers and healers who have something impactful to share. We believe that when you surround yourself with positive energy, it enables you to rise and be the best version of yourself. And in turn, you inspire others to be the best versions of themselves too. We want you to feel like you can turn on an episode of this podcast anytime, day or night, and feel better, like hopping on the phone with your best friend. Our topic today is how to be the real you. Now, this is a question I believe that's plagued all of us at some point in our lives. What is my purpose? What am I meant to do? Why am I here? How can I be more myself? And if these questions haven't crossed your mind yet, they will. And when you do, it will feel a lot less daunting if you are prepared. Today, we are talking to Darty Wesley, an award-winning, best-selling author, lawyer, speaker, and self-proclaimed modern-day oracle. She is an expert on the topic we are discussing today. In fact, she has written a book called How to Be the Real You. Darty took a very interesting turn in her career after discovering who she really was. I think her story is a perfect example of the benefits that can happen in your professional life and overall happiness when you start working on personal development. Darty has an immense amount of wisdom to share and is one of the most powerful resources I know when it comes to learning how to apply consciousness to your self-evolution. Welcome to the show, Darty. Hi, Sarah. Nice to be here. I'd like to start by having you tell the readers a little bit about your background, specifically about the trajectory of your career and the business you created and recently retired from. Well... It all started, my life has uh, been kind of a lot of different things, really. I started out in my legal, in my career as a, a legal secretary, and then I became a paralegal, and then I took seven years of my life when I was 33 and went to uh, did my four years of college and three years of law school and got out of law school when I was 40 and then became a corporate executive for a real estate data company. And then after that, uh, because privacy was growing so much, I stepped into uh, creating my own business and became the uh, privacy diva and started a company called Privacy Solutions and was explaining and teaching privacy and information security to a lot of folks for a long time. And then I morphed into something called the Lotus Law Center, uh, practicing law, doing privacy and information security, but also intellectual property, business, contracts, that kind of thing. And, um, and then in uh, 20, it was it 2016, I guess a little while ago, that uh, I've made a shift into stepping into my next life, which is all about uh, wisdom sharing. And that's where I am now, stepping into that next life. So it's been a trajectory. It's been um, an experience of, uh, you know, dedicating my life to, uh, to moving on and keeping going and getting passionate about each and every step along the way. One of my favorite offerings of yours is your monthly oracle. And for listeners who don't know, you can subscribe to Darty's Oracles and receive astrology updates and incredibly insightful 
questions and practices um, to your email inbox. And for me, spiritually, they give my life direction and something to focus on each month. And they're a nice way to check in with yourself to make sure you're still growing. And um, I like to carve out an hour each month to sit with it and meditate on it so I can reflect and journal about each one. You mentioned something recently in one of your oracles that I think is one of the most important first steps to learning how to be the real you, which is getting honest with how you perceive yourself. What was the point in your career, in your law career? Because I know that you, when you started your own law firm, you started to tie in your spirituality practice into it. So what was the point in your law career where you thought, I'm not being the real me? And how did you perceive yourself at the time? And how did you make the shift in order to become closer to who you felt you really were? I think it was really stepping into my own authenticity. I started that before I even started college, really, when I started, decided to allow myself to be vulnerable. It was kind of the first step on becoming really checking out who I was. I'd been on a self-discovery path for most of my life. And in the, in the law career, it was people would only find out that I had this more spiritual, more conscious side if they spent any time talking to me. And yet when I would speak on stage, and I spoke, spoke a lot around the United States, people would come up to me at the reception and they would feel that difference, I think. So it was, it was just really, Sarah, about being authentic, about tapping into who I really was and the inner work that's required on that journey of self-discovery, which in my opinion never stops. It's something that we keep going uh, with as we roll along in our life. Mm -hmm. But I think that was it. I think it was really just being the authenticity, just the authenticity of being who I was, wherever I was in any circumstance. And I think that that was really what stepped it up for me. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners what role your perception plays when it comes to being true to yourself and why it's so important to have this information? I think our perception of ourself is the most important thing we need to look at. One of the five keys I talk about in how to be the real you is being open and honest with yourself. And one of the most important things I think that we really talk about and stepping into discovering more and more about who we are is to tame that monkey mind. You know, we all have one of those. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the most important thing I think that we can do is tame it, to learn how to train it. It's something we need, of course. When I'm asked about the monkey mind, I, I generally respond that it's really not the non-rational part of ourselves, but it's really way more than that. Once we think about it, we can identify it. Some call it the committee, you know, but it's the chatter inside of ourselves, things to do, fears to fear, childhood traumas, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I think learning how to tame that gives us the ability to put that aside so that we can be open and honest with ourselves. And being open and honest with ourselves is, is where we are able to look at our conditioning, look at our habits, look at the fears. And that goes deeper and deeper into discovering who we are and therefore able to, with that inner work, become more and more of who we are. Mm -hmm. You think that's it? Yeah, it's very hard to make changes if you don't know what you need to change. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes, from my point of view, those changes, we don't know what they are, but we have to trust. 
We have to trust our intuition. As a matter of fact, that's what October's Oracle is all about, is our intuitiveness. Where are we with our intuitiveness? It's, a, it's our sixth sense. It's the most important thing we have, trusting our gut now more than ever. And especially with the changing times we're going through right now, is trusting and honoring that inner wisdom, which is indeed our intuition. Yes, that was one of the biggest aha moments I had when reading your book, How to Be the Real You, was the section about trusting your gut. For me, learning how to listen to my gut, trust it, and then follow through with it is synonymous with being the real you. And the times that I have felt let down in my life and unhappy were the times when I went against my gut feeling. And on the flip side of that, when I went with my gut feeling, things usually worked out for me and I was much happier and felt more in alignment with who I really am. Yeah, I think so too. I just, you know, that I, I read a book a long time ago that so impressed me. And the main point of the book was to follow your spirit without hesitation. And I started that practice then, following my spirit without hesitation. Not so easy all the time, of course, but <laughs> we are human after all. Yeah. But uh, that, was, that was something, and it still stays with me. And to me, that spirit within is indeed our inner wisdom, our sixth sense, that something that uh, is really a part of all of us. It, like the monkey mind, we've all got our intuition. We've all got our sixth sense. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's so, we're so lucky to have it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we, don't, we don't need to search for that, for those answers anywhere else because we've got it with us all the time. No, absolutely. Okay. Another thing I talk about is what I call the new reality because that's a shift, a change that's a part of moving us along, stepping into who we really are and into more conscious place about our actions out in the world. And so when I talk about the new reality, what I'm simply talking about is a shift in focus. This shift is moving from an external focus. You know, that external focus that we've had forever, whether that's material possessions or money or fame or fortune or status or whatever, you know, it's out there in the world. These are the things that we've been seeking for fulfillment, for happiness for forever, right? Mm -hmm. There's no fundamental internal spiritual connection, only that external. And as a result of that, that makes our happiness or whatever it is that we want dependent on what's out there. Right. And the new reality is shifting to an internal focus where we have that connection to, to God or our higher self or consciousness or all that it is or the universe, whatever we call that energy, that comes from within. And it never and goes away. Us, indeed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not fleeting like everything else external. No, exactly. Exactly. You mentioned the keys uh, in your book, How to Be the Real You. Um, mm -hmm. the, the book is broken up into sections for the listeners who, who hasn't read the book yet so that the reader can work on one thing at a time. How did you decide on what these sections were going to be? And can you walk us through what some of them are so our listeners can get a taste of what to expect? Okay, I think they're all large issues that I personally dealt with in my life to learn how to be the real me. And so I think that I really boiled down to these three and I could kind of subsume everything else underneath it. But the five keys are accepting yourself, losing the past, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to stop caring what others think. Well, that was a good one. <laughs> Be open and honest with yourself and others. 
So those are the five keys. And each one of those were steps and practices in my life that helped me find out more about who I was, that, to go deeper and deeper into exploring who I was authentically so that I could be who I am out in the world. Mm-hmm. As far as losing the past, well, yeah, One of the things that I've that I've has always been helpful for me is going back and reading old journal entries that I've written, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I learn a lot about myself from these, including how far I've come on my goals and what issues I have resolved or not resolved. It's a way to look at progress, which can be extremely encouraging, I think, when you're feeling stuck. And I'm Absolutely. not one for living in the past either, but I think this is uh, an example of when I think it can, can be helpful. How do you feel about looking at the past to encourage or inspire your future? I too do the same thing. I have one journal that I have been writing in since 1973, Ooh. way before a lot of people were born. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I, was I born. started it. Right? <laughs> but who's counting, right? <laughs> exactly. We won't go there. <laughs> well, I'm an old lady now, so I got that, you know? <laughs> I got that. So in 73, my changes were happening so fast that I decided I was going to start this journal, which is a big old, big old ledger book. And I hit page 500, I don't know, a couple of years ago. I said, this book's going to last me to the rest of my life. I'm wow. so excited. I hope I get my last entry on page 500 and I'm done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I too, <laughs> I too go back there and look at uh, where I've been. And I really, I enjoy that. I do not get involved. I mean, non-attachment was a spiritual journey that I had for a whole year. And so I learned how not to get involved, how not to attach to the things that have gone on, but to observe and discern what has happened in my past. Mm -hmm. And so that journal takes me back all the way to 1973, which is a joy to look at. Because I started writing in it daily, and then I said, oh, holy moly, I can't do this. Then I started writing whenever I could, and then I made a promise to myself, probably after about a year, that I was going to at least write in here once a year, and for sure I would sit down around my birthday time or Thanksgiving, like that kind of time when I had some time, because I was a working girl, that I would sit down and I would just write about the year. I would like chronicle my whole life, spiritually, professionally, personally, uh, friends, relations, anything that was going on in my life, I chronicled it all for that one year. And so this journal is just fabulous to look at the past. Mm -hmm. But I don't live in the past. And that's the difference. We can look to inspire ourselves. I agree with you completely, Sarah. The thing is, that monkey mind of ours will take us back in the past to elicit emotions, to elicit emotions that have nothing to do with the here and now. And they can make us feel bad. It can make us feel something that is not here and now. Living here and now is where we want to be. We don't want to pretend it doesn't exist. But I'm telling you, as I sit here right now, I don't pay much attention to what's happened before. I don't get involved with what's gone on in my life. And I'm really amazed how little I remember about what's gone on. I mean, I can certainly pick up the high points of my life and there's certain things that are really important, but, but it's the living in the past, the people who are still attached to the past. I mean, I wrote about it in the book where, and it's not an easy thing to do. It's 
part of that inner work. You know? <laughs> and that uh, I think that, but I think it's really important for being authentic is to not be caught up in, you know, a lot of people say, oh, my college days were the best or my high school days were the best or, you know, oh, when I was, you know, when I was with this person or that person and those things defined and have continued to define where they are. It's so important to move on. Mm -hmm. Not always easy. Believe me, I know I've, I've had a full and enjoyable life, but it's the focus. It's the practice. Everything we do now is a practice in these changing times that we've got going on right now. So it's part of our passion is to be passionate about the changes that are going on. Right. And I think that, you know, not attaching to the past is equally, it's, that's equally as important as not attaching to the future. Can you talk a little bit about attachment to the future and what happens when you get attached to certain outcomes instead of letting life happen organically? I think what I would say to that for just from my personal, very esoteric belief structure, and that is that everything that ever has happened or will happen is happening right here and now that there's no such thing as time and space. Oh, crazy that it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. So therefore the future, I mean, people worry about the future and therefore they're not being in the present moment or they're not being here now. And there's not being attached to the future is the same kind of thing as talking about the past. If you get attached, you're living out there and out there is not where the work is, is not where the passion is, is not where the living is. The future is not yet happening. To let it happen organically is another one of my stories I tell, and stop me if this is too long, but it's about Krishnamurti. This is what helps even with the future. Krishnamurti was a spiritual teacher back in the 1950s. He finished his spiritual teachings. He was there at his last talk, and there were 3,000 people there, and they're like, this is the last time we'll ever get to hear him. They've been reading his books. And he says to these people, his followers for all these years, I want to tell you what my secret is. And they all sit forward in their seats going, what? Finally, we're going to hear the secret. <laughs> and he said, my secret is, I don't mind what happens. <laughs> That's pretty profound. And some people get it. And some people don't when I tell the story. But that's the same thing as we go along. Everything is doing what it does. Everything is what it is. And to concern ourselves about the future or tomorrow it doesn't do us any value in the here and now. So I think attachment to it is to worry about it. Planning is good. I am a planner. Mm -hmm, me too. <laughs> I like to plan. I keep mm -hmm. my calendar. I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I don't get attached to it. In other yeah. words, if such as being responsible. Up, indeed. indeed. Yes. <laughs> if something came up tomorrow that changed it, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, okay, fine. I trust all that is. Right. I trust the consciousness that is happening and what is. I trust all that is in everything. And I trust synchronicity. And I do know, even when things don't go like we want, that that's okay. I never ask why. Because what does why say? You never get to, sometimes you never get to know why. You never get to know why stuff happens, whether it's good or bad. To say, oh, why did this happen to me? It's like, oh, what a waste of energy. Yeah. I learned that one a long time ago. I never say why, because nine times out of 10, you don't get to know why. And then when you look back at another time, you look back and you say, oh, 
that cleared a path for me, or that was an obstacle, or that was something that I was focused on that didn't have anything to do with anything. We never know at the time, and it, and it really doesn't matter. What matters is we put one foot in front of the other and trust and be who we are at any given moment. Doing the inner work though, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's important, like when you're planning for the future, it's not about planning everything so perfectly so that there won't be any hiccups when the time comes. Because no matter how perfectly you plan, there probably, there, there may be or there most likely will be. And the more you think, oh, I've got this planned so perfectly that nothing is exactly. gonna go wrong, the more you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Because when you get that shock of that thing that pops up and throws a wrench into it, you're not going to be mentally prepared or equipped to handle it. Right. Because you, you're in this false sense of security that I, you know, I took so I much it all. planning right. mm -hmm. that it should have gone this way. And now I'm angry and, and, and frazzled that it's not. What you really should be doing is working every day to prepare yourself for that when challenges shock you and come up, that you can handle them in a calm, collected way. Indeed. And that's the preparation. That's the real preparation, right? right. Like and the planning is just like a hope. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's always good to plan though. Yes. But it's always good to be prepared that, you know, whatever happens, that, that stuff happens. I mean, that's why, like I, my friend and I were on our way to speak engagement in Kansas City and our plane was delayed. And we both looked at each other and said, aren't we glad we don't mind what happens? We'll be there when we're supposed to be there. I mean, this, this particular Krishnamurti mantra that I use all the time now really helps in all those kind of things. You can plan it to the nth degree, but things happen. And to not be blown off by them is part of our grounding as human beings and, uh, and helps us to handle whatever comes our way. And when there's tough things, one of the things I've done, I just want to pass this on, one of the things I've done in my life when something, when it's something that I don't know what's going to happen or I'm going to make a decision, can I, and I figure out what's the worst thing that could happen here? What's the very worst thing that could happen? And I think about what's the worst thing that could happen? And then I say to myself, can you handle it? And I always say to myself, yes. Mm -hmm. So that has helped me in my life when there were tough things that were going on. I would say, can you handle or making a decision or, or what do I got to do here? Can you handle the worst thing that could happen? Yes. Okay. Then we go on from there. And I'm telling you, most times the worst thing doesn't happen, but it, I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. and, and we can make ourselves prepared by honoring who we are, being honest with ourselves, and, and facing it, you know, facing that things happen and that it's okay. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little fatalistic to me. <laughs> I do not plan for the worst. <laughs> but I'm ready if it comes. <laughs> but you are prepared if it comes. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, one of my beliefs is that we are always evolving and reinventing ourselves. And who I am today is not who I will be in three months or three years from now. I think visualizing your future self, focusing on doing things you enjoy and investing in who you want to be is extremely helpful. 
How much does imagination play a role when you are discovering how to be the real you? And how much of it is just commitment and doing the work? I'd say it's probably about half and half, really, because I think setting your intentions, um, I don't really talk much about goals because goals are outwardly oriented, like we were talking about the new reality, I think an inner focus. On an inner focus, it's our intentions. So rather than imagining I intend things to happen, I visualize that intention and I hold it. I, I tend to make a symbol for that intention too. That sounds a little odd, but uh, I make a symbol and I just use that symbol so that my mind doesn't have to think about whatever that intention is. I just have that symbol that represents it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really half and half. I know that the other part is really putting in the energy and the practice and the commitment to take our steps in the right direction. And then for me, like I'm in that process right now as I'm I'm, I'm stepping into my next books. I'm stepping into wisdom teaching. I just finished this, you know, 35-year legal career. And so now I want so much more to share part of the work that I've done in my life and the living that I've done with others. And part of that is indeed, you know, intending. I intend this. I intend that. And then putting one foot in front of the other. You've got to do the marketing. You've got to do the 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 work involved. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to, you know, take those steps. You can intend all you want, and and one of the things I talk about all the time is it's thoughts, words, and actions. So you can think about it all the time, but if you just think about it, that's not going to put the next level of energy in there. Sure. Because how we create reality is thoughts, words, and actions. Yep. And so those all what matters is we create our future selves and what it is that we envision for what we want in our lives, no matter what it is. It all, it all goes together with our thoughts, words, and our actions. And we've got to keep them clean too, to get caught up in things that uh, are getting attached to stuff that doesn't really matter to the intention, you know? And we have to, at the same time, dance the dance of life and go here and go there. And okay, next step this way, next step that way. Follow our spirit. <laughs> what is your advice for people who feel they feel like they've done the work, like they meditate every day, they read inspirational, motivational books, they do the things they enjoy, they journal, they feel like they're putting one foot in front of the other each day, but they still feel like they can't figure out who they really are and what they were meant to do. Well, first I recommend they read my book then. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, did I say that? Yes. <laughs> I recommend it too, by the way. So. <laughs> because I think, I think, I have a lot of stories of things in my life that I went through because that's one thing I'm seeing now is that people are still doing out there. It's an inner search now that matters. So you can journal and you can meditate and you can practice, you can do all these things, but the real work is inside yourself. And the real deep work of coming to grips with the kind of things, I mean, we've all got this conditioning that we've had since we were born. We've got society, we've got parents, we've got schools, we've been conditioned up the yin-yang. And what we need to do is we need to break that conditioning. And you can meditate and you can journal and you can do all of that, put one foot in front of the other. But unless you do, go inside and do the inner work, which is not the easy part. The easy part is journaling and meditating. Yes. And I mean, not that it's so easy, but that's, that's, 
that's that's kind of an outward manifestation. I'm talking about the inner work. Yeah. And the inner work is really confronting that monkey mind. It's confronting our conditioning. That conditioning really has us tied down. And when we start looking at that conditioning and we can break it, these are the kind of breakthroughs that open our life up, that open our heart up, that take us all the way to that next level. Moving into the fifth dimension now is really important for us to to, to do that inner work and to be inside. And it's not necessarily sharing it with anyone else. You don't need to share any of that. You can, but if we want to be the change and we want to be in the world, and that's something we want, is we want to be the change we see in the world, right? And part, I mean, I do, I do. Not everybody maybe, but I do. And so part of that is, is honoring the inside work that needs to be done. There's a lot of psychological things that we need to overcome. Spirituality is one thing, but our psychological, the two come together and that's where the real growth comes from. And a lot of people forget about that. Luckily, there's new work being done right now called psycho-spirituality. And the psychologists are finally coming, something I've been been uh, researching and working with people on that, that they're really finally seeing that spirituality supports the psychology and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So all of the spiritual work that we do, and we can listen to others and you know, all that they're out there, they're out there, the, the teachers and all that, but really it's your own spirit and your own inner work that's gonna take you to the next level, mm -hmm. your own inner work. And your inner work comes from reading those spiritual books and then doing the work. Not just letting it go in, but to really absorb it and, Otherwise, and to it's like apply it. Checking off a checklist. Okay, it I is. read my book yeah. today. I did yep. my ten-minute meditation. Yep. I did. Yep. You know, yep. Yep. like if you're just doing that just to check off a checklist, you're not actually getting the benefits from it. Right. Yeah. It's like I said, the inner, the inner work. Mm -hmm. So Darty's book, How to Be the Real You, is available on Amazon now. It's also It also has a wonderful workbook that goes with it. Um, I filled out every single page on mind. I find it really helps digest the information and tools in the book. And it's exactly what we're talking about right now to where you can't just read the book. You need to do the work. So definitely get the workbook if you're going to get the, the book so that you can start embodying this practice and really see the benefits of asking yourself all these questions and discovering who you really are. Because if you're not gonna do anything with that information, then there's really no point to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we wrap up, Darty, is there any last nuggets of information or wisdom that you'd like to share with our readers and then also how they can find you? Okay, I would like to, to share with uh, our listeners that I've also written a book, which I think is kind of a first step along this path, which is called, You Can Transform Your Life. And this was the first book I wrote. And I think that that would be very helpful in taking those first steps, because it starts with creating a new way of life. A creating, and, and it talks from then on, it talks about the kind of practices and kind of things we need to, to do as we go along that path. So I just wanted to, to say that. Mm -hmm. I have a website, DarityWesley.com, D-A-R-I-T-Y-W-E-S-L-E-Y. 
www.jennifercarlson.com. And I have a newsletter that I send out to uh, people all over the world, which I would love for your listeners to sign up. It's called Love from the Lotus World. And I kind of talk about whatever's going on, uh, the forces at play in the universe and and all different kinds of things, whatever spirit leads me to write about. I'm writing about Love from the Lotus World. And you can sign up for that on my website at www.dowardywesley.com. Can they sign up for the Oracle on that website as well? Well, time is limited, I think, but uh, I have uh, been directed by Spirit that uh, the Oracle, which I have been doing since 2006, is um, something that uh, is changing out of my life. Mm, I don't know okay. if you've got time to hear that story, but how much time do we have? Well, um, sure. Why not? And, and, you know, it's, you know, that, that is sad news, but um, in a way it's okay because you have so many uh, wonderful resources and your books and the newsletter that people can get to where I think that there's still, this information is still out there. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, I'm going to, I'm going to end that the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, which is December 31st. I believe that the Oracle will continue uh, on the path. I don't know how or what manner yet. Mm-hmm. I will expect that the, the Oracle will speak up throughout the uh, Love from the Lotus World newsletter, but I'm, I'm putting that up. But there was a, a story that I wrote about in my Love from the Lotus World called The Cow, La Vaca. Mm-hmm. And it's a story about a cow it's a it's an old story and it's from a book called once upon a cow it's an argentinian story and it's really about the changes that we're going through here and now and it's the the story is about the, a master and his disciple who were traveling along and they went in to see a family and the family was poor but the only possession they had was this cow and they put all their energy into taking care of this cow, feeding it, making sure it was taken care of properly. And, and then when the, and the master and the disciples spent the night with this poor impoverished family, and then the next morning they got up and the master and the disciple went out behind the house and the master took out a dagger and killed the family cow. And the disciple went crazy going, oh my God, how shocked he was. He said, I can't believe you did that. How did you do that? But the master just didn't respond and they moved on. And then about a year later, they came by and they couldn't find the shack where they were. And they looked and then they, they saw that the, the, gen, the father of the family came out and he wore clean clothes and had a smile on his face. And he told them how desperate they'd been after they found out that they found their cow dead. And he realized they had to do something. So they cleared the land and they started growing vegetables and they fed themselves. And then they had enough of the town and then they started sending it out to the market. And even more money came in and they built themselves a whole new house. And the point of the story was that we all have a cow in our lives in some form or other. Our cow is something we deem vitally important, something we're deeply attached to or feel is necessary for our survival. And yet it's something that holds us back. So our cow symbolizes something that we can't consider letting go of because we identify so completely with it. And that once we realize what represents that cow in our life, we can't imagine living without it. And yet 
These are the times the energies are forced to let go of our holy cows. And for me, that came to me the end of August that I was really attached to my oracle. I've been doing my oracle since 2006. It's been 13 years. I did it daily. Then I did it weekly. Then I've done it monthly. And then I finally came to the, to the place of doing my... Uh, uh, an intention I had for years to where it was a paid subscription. And then the end of August, Spirit said, no more Oracle. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this can't be. And um, I just, I rolled it around in my head for a long time. And it wasn't until I was writing in the Lotus Loves, the Lotus, Love from the Lotus World message for September that I was writing to my assistant who puts it all together for me, that I wasn't, I told her not to put uh, the subscription to the monthly uh, Oracle anymore in the, in there. And I started crying mm. and I said, Holy moly. I, I had no idea how, how much I was to it, how much it meant to me, how, how much I thought it was a part yeah, of my life, era. whatever. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, yeah. Oh my goodness, we're going to be shocked. I said, I'm shocked. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, and, you I'm, know, and I'm going along like la la la, no cow here. I'm so evolved, no cow here. Yeah, boom, <laughs> boom. That's why I was saying, you know, I'm I'm saddened by this news because I know that uh, I know how much it has affected so many people. Um, oh yeah, in such a great way. And oh, I love you know, it. I, I'm not kidding when I say that, like, I carve out time each month and you know, yeah. a cup of coffee or whatever, and just sit down with it and really embrace that time and really enjoy that time. But I know that I can still do that, like I said, with your books or with right. other offerings that you have. And yeah, and I'm so going to, I think, I just think the part of it will be in the Love from the Lotus world. Uh, I'm, there's books, you know, I've got to take the Oracle to books now is what I'm feeling. I don't know yet as, as I, I intend to be a wisdom sharer that more people know about. And so I, I just trust spirit to to take me on that journey whatever it's supposed to be i know that's what i'm supposed to do and you know we'll uh <laughs> see see where it goes excellent thank you so much for coming on the show oh, thank you for having me sarah i loved it now i'd love to hear from all you listeners out there so please let me know what you thought of the show and if you have any topics or questions that you'd like me to tackle the team of yoga unplugged and i are here for you so please let us know and if you'd like to join in on the conversation with us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at yogaunplugged.org. Find us on Facebook at Yoga Unplugged by Jennifer Reuter. Reuter is spelled R-E-U-T-E-R. -E or connect with us on Instagram at yoga underscore unplugged. Thanks for listening, everyone. Namaste.